Welcome to Wine Country Women with Michelle Mandreau, the podcast for wine enthusiasts who are curious not only about what goes in the bottle, but the remarkable women who make these distinctive winemaking regions so special. Each week, Michelle introduces you to a prominent woman and takes a peek inside her life. Welcome to today's Wine Country Women podcast. I'm Michelle Mandreau, and I'm with Lisa Redman, who is the proprietor of Redman Wines in the Napa Valley. Lisa, it is so exciting to be sitting down with you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here, too. And we are actually in a super cute tasting lounge in downtown Napa where your wine is featured. Let's briefly talk about that. Sure. I have a tasting room downtown called Mia Carta that I am one of eight different vintners that show our wines here. It's a great little swanky tasting room in downtown Napa where all the action is. So it's a great place to to visit. Yeah. It's so charming. It's got the exposed brick walls and Warm velvet chairs, and it's just fantastic. So I'm, I am delighted to have the chance to see this and, like I said, sit down with you. So let's dive in. You are from the Bay Area. You moved to St. Helena in the early 70s. Your family owned a number of restaurants, but they actually came to St. Helena when they purchased the A&W, which is like a staple in St. Helena. Did you ever dream when you were living and going to school in St. Helena that you'd have a wine brand one day? Not at all. (laughs) One interesting thing about me is I don't have one day of formal training in the wine industry. So I've been doing this for 22 years now. And have had to really learn through osmosis uh, everything that I know. People come in and see me in my tasting room, and they say, "Oh, did you go to Davis? Did you? How did you learn so much about wine?" And it was really listening to people and trying new ideas and trying to learn the best I could over the the twenty two years. Yeah. So to just uh, explain that a little bit further, you went to the University of San Francisco, got a degree in finance. And then you went off to work in corporate America and business development and tech. And then I think it was a trip back home that inspired you to get into the wine business. Can you explain that? Sure. Well, I'm going to start a little earlier because I will tell you that much of my work ethic came from working in the restaurant side by side with my father, the A&W restaurant. And we were a family that had many of those restaurants over the years, and we would buy them and kind of get them healthy and sell them and move on to the next one. And we came to St. Helena, opened the restaurant, and from 13 years old, I worked side by side with my dad, and he made a deal with the principal the first week of high school that I could get out of class half hour early every day for lunch and come over and work the A&W, which was across the street from the high school. So I'd like to say that's where my work ethic, my hard work ethic began. I got myself to uh, USF in San Francisco. I chose finance as a degree because I thought it was something that seemed concrete, that I could get out the next day and have a job where I really had a solid skill. Um, I didn't stay in finance for long. My first job um, was actually at Fireman's Fund Insurance, and I quickly moved from sort of a financial um, number cruncher into a more sales role. And from there, I always had business development roles. 
for the 12 years that I worked in corporate America, which I ended up in, in technology when I left. But I come from a long line of entrepreneurs. So I was the first one in my family to go to college, but my grandpa uh, started buying real estate um, when, when he came back from the war, actually, from World War II, and he uh, had this sort of entrepreneurial spirit and brought my dad in to a property where they o- opened up their first A&W. So I, even though I was working in the corporate world, I always knew I had that same spirit. And so I quit my day job, kind of when the dot-com went da- busted, and I came back to St. Helena to think about what I could do for my own business, and I noticed the vineyard that had been purchased as a real estate investment in my family. But nobody drank wine, and nobody knew anything about wine, so that's when I decided to take over. Which is absolutely crazy to have lived in the heart of Napa Valley in St. Helena, have a vineyard, and nobody drank wine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were, in, we were drinking root beer back then. Right. Well, <laughs> r- really good root beer, might I say. So you kind of said, this is what I want to do. Yeah. So I took the grapes from that first vineyard, which I, is my vineyard in St. Helena, and I made some home wine the first year, and that mm-hmm. was in 1999. And uh, in my garage... And took it down to a home winemaking competition that they had at the county fair. And I won best of show and best Cabernet. Oh, fantastic. And that's what got my wheels spinning about doing this commercially. What a great story. Yeah. So my first commercial vintage was 2001. But my first rating of the wine, um, I got a 97 points from Wine Enthusiast. So that's when that really clicked. Like this could be my business, and I started to do all the things it took to start a small wine brand, including source from other vineyards. When you started, how much? When you officially started, how much wine were you making? Well, my home wine uh, was two hundred bottles. So okay. that was the first, <laughs> the first little fun project, and then. I produced a couple hundred cases of that first St. Helena wine, and that's all I had to sell for a few years was just that one wine and kind of got my feet wet. And then I started going out to – I looked for small vineyards with very passionate farmers that had the quality of grapes I was looking for. So Mount Veter, Coombsville, Rutherford – Carneros, and then, of course, my vineyard in St. Helena, and that's my portfolio today. But for your cabs. For my cabs. But I really had the ability, because of my relationships um, in the valley and living there so long, to dig up these really beautiful small vineyards. So you started with 200 bottles, and today you're hovering around 1,200 cases? That's right. Okay. So you make all those fantastic Cabernets. You also make a Chardonnay and a Merlot. Right, and I sell only to folks on my list. So you cannot find me, no distribution, no other states, no stores or restaurants. But you could come to Mia Carta. Yes, that's right. (laughs) And taste it and walk away with a case or two, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. When you were starting this business, did you have somebody that helped you along the way that mentored you? Because this was a whole new in- industry for you. I mean, by your own admission, your family didn't drink wine. It wasn't an industry that you had a wealth of knowledge in. Right. Can you speak to those that might have helped mentor you or guide you along the way, one or two? Absolutely, I had somebody. So in the very beginning, I knew nothing. I knew nothing. Even when people would come in and taste my one wine that I had, I used to 
close my eyes and say, please don't ask me anything about the wine because I didn't know a lot about the wine back then and or what I was doing, I, but I knew my family story, and so that's what I used to tell. But Nancy Andrews Duckhorn, who founded Pine Ridge Winery and then married Dan Duckhorn, she was my um, consultant. And so uh, she used to like to say that I would go to her office every other week and it was almost like being in a shrink's office because I would sit in her chair and she would give me uh, some things to think about and kind of coach me through how to, how to, how to do this, how to, how to operate a, a wine brand and grow it. And then I would go out and execute for those two, two weeks. And then I would come back and she always said I was such a good client because I would execute and do my job and really listen to her and take her advice about how to how to build the brand and how to give the brand a good story and a good image and all of the things that it took to to start it up front so she was a great mentor fantastic you've had this wine brand for over 20 years as it has evolved what are some of the significant changes that that you've seen or experienced well, first I would say, as this business has evolved, I've evolved. I have grown up with this business, and I started with the husband. So we together started the brand, and he was a great technology person. So he got in, and he sort of gave us the foundation of all the back-end stuff that we needed and kind of operated as a visionary And during the time that we were married, and I was more the executor. I'd go out and bring clients in and figure out how to how to sell wine and do all of that sort of groundwork. And then I became a single, and I uh, the business came to me, and so I had to learn how to be the visionary and how to operate this vineyard. And in the beginning, I got a group of women together. I got a woman CPA. I got two women that came to work for me. And we really, as a team, kind of learned it together. And I had to learn how to oversee and make decisions and figure out what was working and what wasn't working and what markets I wanted to go into and all the all the things it took. So um, that's grown me up. And we should mention you're also re- were raising two boys. Two boys at the time. Yeah, that was a busy, busy time in my life. So I have, when my boys were little, when I started this thing, they were just babies. So it was a, kind of a thing that I could do a couple of days a week and then it grew into a bigger, bigger responsibility today they're 17 living with me i'll be an empty nester at the end of the year and uh my son other son is in college in san diego so yeah i had to learn to juggle definitely learn to juggle i remember in the beginning i would take them to the office or the tasting room when when i was doing tastings and we had a basketball hoop outside and we have a tv in the back and homework and they'd sit in the back and sometimes come out and talk to customers and it was it was a, quite the juggling act. I would have given them a job. Stack those cases over there. Put those bottles in that box. <laughs> they actually did have to break down the boxes and oh, put there them you in go. the garbage can. That okay. was their big job. <laughs> How did you decide to name the wine Redmond Wines? Well, does this go back to that husband? Well, sort of. We ha- first we hired somebody, a consultant, to right. look at the name with us and all of those things and come up with names but i have a really good last name f- for a red wine it's then redmond right. was my maiden name oh good so redmond right so it just seemed to make sense 
Right. So is it a lot of pressure to have your name on a bottle? Absolutely. Sometimes I think back about that decision and what it, what it does is it makes people really want to see me. And you have to be accountable. I have that to be is my wine. Yeah. It's got to be fantastic. I've got my name on. So people want to for sure um, visit me with me when they come. And yeah, it's a lot of responsibility to make sure uh, it all goes well. Top moment of your career so far. One of the things that comes to mind was being recruited or asked to speak at a doctor's convention. And they paid me to come out and educate on wine. The fact that they were picking me to come out and educate on wine and that I knew enough at that point to be able to stand in front of a couple hundred people and educate them about the Napa Valley and why our wines are so amazing, uh, that was a highlight. It was a time when I really realized, wow, this is my career and this is what I'm knowledgeable about. That you are being recognized by all these doctors. That's nice. So what's ahead? Do you plan on adding another varietal or expanding your production? I don't have plans to expand production. I like the size of company. I like that I'm hands-on. I like that I get to meet the customers, and that's where I spend a lot of my time. Um, I don't aspire to be big. I just aspire to have really great quality small production wines. As far as adding a new varietal, Cabernet Franc. And the farmer um, that farms my or that owns my vineyard for my Coombsville Cabernet is planting some Cabernet Franc right now. So that is going to be not too far down the road for me. Fantastic. What would you tell someone that would ask you, oh, I would love to have a wine brand? Well, I get that a lot. Mm -hmm. People come in, they move into the Napa Valley, and a lot of people help. They're romanced by the idea. They're romanced about the idea. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting business because you are, it takes four years to turn your inventory over. So I'm projecting now with the 2023 vintage what I will be selling in 2027. So it's front-end loaded as far as the finances of it. It's a different animal. It's a product that the story and the experience is what sells it 75%. So you really have to have that down. You have to have your story down. You have to have a great environment for people to come in. And then, of course, the quality of the wine. But it's really... This product is really sold one group of people at a time, you know, my model anyways. Mm -hmm. So it's about um, sitting down with everybody that comes through and getting to know them and telling the stories around the wine and what makes it special and all about our region. And that happens to be the part I really like about the business. But would you encourage someone to get into the business today? I'd have to know the reasons Mm -hmm. why. Right. You know, I mean, if if they're just doing it. Like a vanity project. Yeah, and thinking they're mm-hmm. just going to sell the wine to their friends. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that I would maybe discourage it. But if they're really looking to, to go the distance, mm-hmm. that's what it takes. It takes someone that wants to stay in and really go the distance. You don't think there's too many wine brands in the Napa Valley? I think Everybody has their own story and their own style and something to offer that's going to be unique. Okay. And so it's just matching that with with the right client that comes in. Okay. So describe for me 
a Lisa Redman wine? Well, I'll describe the one that I started with in my vineyard, my St. Helena vineyard. So what makes that wine so special, first of all, is that there's 50-year-old grapevines. So very soft, elegant style of Cabernet because of the age of those vines. So it's a wine that uh, you don't need food with. You could just open it up by the fire or, you know, for a nice afternoon glass of wine, just be able to sip it and enjoy it has that really unique style because older vines are very uncommon in our valley. Most are pulling out their vines about 25 or 30 years old because of the volume. The volume of grapes, the production goes down. So for that wine, I only yield about two tons per acre per year. So very very concentrated, very beautiful wine. If somebody wants to taste a Redmond wine, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, they can call me mm-hmm. or go to my website, redmondwines.com, and schedule an appointment to come see me. Or better yet, just buy a couple of bottles. Pop into Mia Carta downtown on First Street. But I think the best way is to get onto my website and sign up, and we'll get you, we'll get you some, some wine to taste. I mean, can people order wine off your website Absolutely. and have it shipped to them? Absolutely. But okay. I always say, call me. My number's on there. Let's talk wine. Let's see what wines you're interested in, what style you like. It's one of the things I love about being in this business is helping people understand which which wines they're drawn to. And make sure they're getting what they want. Absolutely, yeah. Hi, I'm Hema Quinn, Senior Relationship Manager in Comerica's Wine Industry Group. I've spent over 20 years helping wine artisan and business owners pursue their dreams. This means understanding what makes their winery special and determining the best path forward. Comerica's wine portfolio includes wineries like Dumal, Wente Family Estates, Klein Family Cellars, and many more. And we'd love an opportunity to work with you. To learn more about Comerica's wine services, come find us at our offices, 1000 Main Street, downtown Napa. Well, we're going to shift on to your personal life now. You have lived pretty much in in St. Helena your whole time in the Napa Valley, right? Yes. What makes makes you stay in St. Helena, other than it just being over-the-top charming? Yeah, so I have deep roots in St. Helena and went through high school there, got to college in San Francisco, stayed away for about 12 years, but came back to start this brand. And then I started having my two boys. Right. And I think that St. Helena was an amazing area to raise those two kids. I mean, I was raised there. It's safe. It's kind. It's sweet. They would walk to school. Their grandpa was there. So all the experiences that I had when I was young, they got living there in St. Helena. And then I I built this business to a point that I had a lot of clients coming in and great way to, to host people and see people in that area. So I, you know, St. Helena grew me up. I uh, was raised there and I have a lot of love for, for, for St. Helena. Yeah. Okay. You never thought about relocating south to Napa or Yountville or somewhere in between? Yes. I've actually been in Napa this past year. Okay. So that's been a change and a lot of fun. A okay. little more action here than St. Helena. I know. I mean, it's it's amazing what Napa has become. When you have a chance to relax, and I know you're juggling a lot, what kind of music do you like to listen to or go listen to? Because we have so much fantastic live music here. Yeah. Well, 
one interesting thing is I grew up never liking country music. And then I started traveling to Nashville because of this career that I've chosen and pouring wine at different events in Nashville, and I fell in love with country music. So when I go to a concert, I try. I saw Morgan Wallen not too long ago. I went back to Nashville, and we did this country music festival over the summer. So country I have is near and dear to my heart, and it's been a change over the last five years. So, so you're, a, well, maybe not a secret, but a secret country music absolutely I have cowboy boots now wow whole outfit to wear when I go to the concerts do you have any hobbies do you collect anything do you wine (laughs) (laughs) no I don't believe it I would say my hobbies are a lot around being active Mm -hmm. so I have a road bike I uh you know these back roads we have in the Napa Valley are just gorgeous so I spend a lot of my weekends on my bicycle this last weekend I did a nice ride hiking, you know, just seeing beauty. Where's your favorite place to hike? Oh, uh, in St. Helena, way back down past Meadowood, there's a, a, a hike along the, the water that I love. That's one of my favorites. Is there something crazy that people might be surprised to learn about you? Do you skydive, rappel down mountains? Did you do something wild and crazy in St. Helena as a child? Oh, there's plenty of St. Helena wild and crazy. So <laughs> tell us, tell us a secret. I'll give you one of my, my one of my stories from St. Helena. So when I got old enough to drive, 16, my dad gave me to drive our family garbage truck oh because my we didn't have garbage service up at our at our home in St. Helena. So if I wanted to have a clean truck on a Friday or Saturday night, I actually had to go to the dumps and dump garbage. And oftentimes that was A&W garbage as well. So they knew me on a first-name basis at the dumps. And when I was wanting a clean truck one Friday night, I didn't want to go to the dumps. So I decided to take the truck with a friend of mine and dump the garbage in a vineyard. Bad idea. So the next morning, I didn't realize that all the mail of my... Uh, family was in that garbage and so I got a phone call or actually my dad got a phone call and I had to go back and get all of that garbage and put it back in the truck truck and get it to the dumps in St. Helena. Oh no that's terrible. That was one of my stories. That's so terrible. So you you tried to go you tried to be mischievous and got caught. I know you have done quite a bit of traveling in your life. Is there a meaningful or memorable trip that you could tell us about? Well, I'll tell you about a recent one. Okay. I just got back from Portugal. Oh. Went to Portos, went to Lisbon, and went to the Douro Valley, of course, the wine country, and just really connected with the wine region there. It's so beautiful because they ha- it's all hillside, and they have these rock walls that they've built in between every row. And so it's just gorgeous. So I Every did row. Every row. So they said when I was there that if you lined up all the rock walls in the Douro Valley that were built over the years, it'd be longer than the Great Wall of China. Oh, wow. So it's really um, an amazing sight. I hiked one day up to the top of this mountain and just really um, connected with the valley. So Porto is a beautiful city. I would definitely go back there. But that's one of my most recent that I've really loved. Okay. How did you choose going there? I've heard from a lot of people that it's a great place to travel. There's actually a lot of Americans buying property over there, too. Hmm. 
So fascinating. Mm -hmm. When you have friends come visit, other than drinking Redmond wine, where do you encourage them to visit uh, in the Napa Valley? What are some of your hot spots to recommend? Well, let me talk about uh, a group of girls that came up from my old technology days a couple weeks ago, and we had a girls' weekend here that was just amazing. So we always start it with a walk or a hike, somewhere beautiful around the vineyards. And that's not too difficult to find. And then we shop. So we do the downtown Napa now. It's got some great little shops and and uh, boutiques and so the girls always get a kick out of that coming downtown and seeing what's new down here we recently got johnny was which i'm excited about then always somewhere great for dinner so scala was our place we went this last time it's so light and bright and it's a newer restaurant and the girls just loved it we had great wine we always bring a bottle or two of of great wine and then we'll always do at least one wine tasting and some of my favorite places um, up in St. Helena, my friend uh, hosts folks at Senegal Winery, where it's a beautiful spot where you see both the water and the vineyards, and you can sit out and have a wine tasting. So those are, those are some of my favorites. Okay. Sounds like a lovely day for mm-hmm. sure. Well, we're going to wrap things up with five quick questions. You ready? Yeah. Okay. What kind of car do you drive? Porsche. All right. Love it. Favorite flower? Red rose. Okay. Your dream dinner guest, living or dead? Gandhi. Hmm. Fascinating. Okay. One word that best describes you? Extrovert. Okay. The last question. What is your all-time favorite pairing? The wine pairing that really got me that is most memorable to me was probably about 10 or 12 years ago when a friend uh, from Houston, Texas that had a place here invited me over for dinner and she was slow cooking lamb shanks all day. Yeah. So when I walked in, you could just sort of smell the kind of the tomato sauce and the lamb. It was a, uh, a rainy night and they opened up and paired with that a 2012 Viadere. And it was a beautiful pairing. Fantastic. Lisa, you have been fantastic. And this has been so much fun. Thank you so much. Thank you. Visit winecountrywomen.com to join our exclusive list so you can be the first to learn about upcoming offers and events. Grab a glass and join us next week for a new edition of Wine Country Women.